0: Well, I bring you greetings in the precious name of Jesus. I'm sorry, I didn't you. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> My name is Jim Weaver. <laughs> that's not important. Jesus is. And I greet you in his precious, precious name. I hope that name just brings a little bit of a skip, a beat in your heart because of your love relationship with him. I am blessed and honored to be here, and I'm looking forward to serving with you for a week. worshiping and fellowshipping, and maybe kind of stepping into your story, if I could. I enjoy uh, hearing spiritual journeys and where God has taken you and where He is taking you, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. My name is Jim Weaver. I come to you from a little church near Anville, Pennsylvania, called Waterworks Mennonite Fellowship. I doubt if you ever heard of it because it's a brand new church. I was part of Myerstown Mennonite for uh, probably close to 20 years. And we just started a, a church two years ago in a little village called Waterworks. So I bring you greetings in the name of Jesus from the church there. I am a Lone Ranger for a few days. Uh, you have half of me, okay? On oh, Friday, Lord willing, uh, I'll be entirely here, because my wife is planning to come on Friday, and our youngest son, Hans, is planning to come along. We have eight children, and they range from age 27. Our oldest is Zach, and he is 27, and our youngest is 13. We have uh, eight children, four boys and four four girls. I don't think I'm going to do a lot of introduction. Uh, You're going to get a little bit of glimpses throughout the week as i as I preach, you'll get uh like i said a few a few glimpses. maybe I will say this i as far as a job i I like to say that it's about as low as a man can go i I was on floor covering for basically twenty years, and that was interrupted by seven years i was uh, our family served in Grenada, West Indies. And I did take three years and taught in a, in a local school, at Lebanon Valley Christian School. I taught there for, for three years. Actually, currently, uh, as of this past fall, I assume the, the role of administrator for Olive Branch Foundation Missions. So that is actually consuming most of my time. I still uh, do a, a bit of, of, of floor covering, actually mostly ceramic tile. I, I kind of got away from the big rolls of carpet and vinyl, and I like, the, I like working out of a box, you know, carry a box of tile in. And my slogan is this I am the happiest in the shower. <laughs> I do a lot of tile showers, and I really enjoy doing that. So I did already say that we served in Grenada for seven years. I also was part of IGO uh, for, for about 10 years, had the privilege of, of uh, traveling there three times to Thailand. And I will say this maybe right up front that other cultures are very near and dear to my heart. I am one of those guys that kind of believes that every North American should, should live a segment of their life outside of North America. So we understand that God is not an American God and this is not American Bible. But I know that God is not calling everybody away, but I think it is a, it is a, it is a tremendous blessing to, to step outside of our culture into other cultures. And actually, you don't need to go out of the country to do, to do that. But uh, maybe I'll say this yet. Maybe the most important thing I can say about myself in 1993 is when I made a radical change in my life. I, I, I'm sad to say that I entered into marriage not knowing Jesus Christ. And God, in his mercy and in his love, reached down and touched me and broke me. And it was through the death of a very close friend of mine that God arrested my attention and got me on a two-year journey called my, I, I call my crossroad years. And finally, in 1993, I was just tired of it, and I went to the cross of Jesus Christ. And it was a, it was a, a, a life-changing, changing event for me. And I can only, absolutely only attribute anything good, anything to the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and that is what I want to just highlight this entire week the cross of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ thank you so much for your emphasis on prayer i appreciate uh, every prayer that was 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 uh, offered i will say this i have a special place in my heart for revival meetings i do because revival meetings were a very huge part of my story. My story in 1993, October 31, to be precise, it was during the week of our revivals that God spoke to my heart. And that, is, that, that, that was, like I said, it was a two-year journey of, a, of a, my crossroad years, but I know that something happened on October 31st, 1993, in a, little, in a prayer room, I don't know much about the prayer. I don't remember much, but I just remember it was a time of surrender. And I'm hoping and praying that in some way, shape, or form, you, that resonates with you. Uh, don't ever uh, try to duplicate someone's story. Your own story is unique. But if you don't have a cross experience, and maybe it's a, maybe you know one night, or maybe it's a, a block of a year, or some very instrumental event events uh it is just uh we all know that right it's so important in in that is the most important thing that we can we can talk about so thank you for your prayers and i i beg you to continue to pray basically let's say all is vain unless the holy spirit of god comes down right a lot there's a lot of vanity today there's a lot of vain religion there's a lot of vain what whatever but and all is vain unless the Spirit of the living God speaks to my heart and your heart. And let's pray to that end. I appreciate your prayers in that. I am not one that comes prepared, okay? I Maybe it's my lack of organization. Those that know me well know that I'm not a very organized person, but i I tend to just seek the Lord day by day, so I beg you to pray with me that the Lord would 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 lay the messages on on my heart. I like to call myself the mailman, okay? You know what you, you know what your mailman does? He brings you the mail and he goes, right? And that's what that's that's what I see my job as. Uh, all I want to do is drop the mail off, all right? And it's the and it's from God. Every now and then I get the wrong mail. I don't really like that, right? <laughs> this don't, don't belong to me. And I don't want to do that. I want to bring what God wants here. So you pray with me to that end i pray my prayer for all of us me included number one my prayer is that every adult or i should say everyone that is to the age of accountability the age of accountability is when the awfulness of your sin settles upon you and you understand the responsibility that you have before god okay Everyone at the age of accountability would, would, would be saved. And, and not only be saved, know that they're saved. I will actually share with you a burden on my heart. There are people, way too many people, way too many people, that don't know if they're saved. And that's not God's will. That's not God's heart. These things I write unto you that you know that you have eternal life, okay? Okay. So that's, that's one of my prayers for all of us, okay? Myself included with this group that we just that everyone at the age of accountability knows that they're saved, saved from the penalty of sin, the guilt saved, justified just as if we never sinned. and also saved from the, the, the power of sin. Too many of us too many of us, sin has dominion over us, okay? Paul wrote that sin would not have dominion over us. So my prayer is that we know we're saved from the penalty of sin and from the power of sin, that we are not enslaved in the grips of of sin, that, and also that we would we would hate sin and love the Lord Jesus and every saved person would be a, a faithful disciple of the Lord, Lord Jesus. And also, I've been around people long enough to know that whenever there's a group of people like this side, I'll, I'll guarantee you, there's struggling people here. Maybe not with sin, but sometimes life, sometimes life brings such difficulties. And and maybe that's you. I've been in difficult. Difficult valleys in my life. Very difficult. And I thank God for the rays of hope that came blazing to me into my journey through the word. And that's also another prayer that I have. That I don't know, I don't know your journey. I don't. So I, I can't prepare. But God can. God's, God is a, a good God. And I pray that God would, if there's somebody here that is really struggling with life and with uh, circumstances, and, and, and that God would just send a, a beautiful ray of hope. I plan to preach, a, hopefully, a very short message every night, okay? I'm, somebody gave me some really good advice about preaching. Uh, have an introduction that draws people in, and have a conclusion that is clear. You know what God said, and keep them as close together as you can. That is my prayer. That is my goal. I, I, I understand that, that there's families that have school, Okay? And children, I know what it's like to have school children. actually, I taught for several years, and I know what that's like, so I am uh, I better not say a time or or I'm really going to be held accountable, but I might that's my goal to, to bring a, a simple, clear message and allow God to speak to our our hearts. I plan to have a children's meeting on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So I invite the children for that, and it's going to be a continued story. So hopefully you can make it for that. And on Friday night, I do plan to give you a glimpse into uh, mission life, into Olive Branch Mennonite Missions, and kind of gear it towards youth, and, uh, but not limited to youth, but just a life of, of service, wherever that might be. Uh, so I think with that I'm going to go right into my text. Maybe I'm going to say a verse. I'm probably going to repeat this verse over and over and over and over and over again. I want this to be a to re riveted in our hearts and in our minds. And it's just a verse that it's not my. Uh, my life verse comes out of Genesis 12, 1 to 3, but this is getting to be a real close. Revelation 12, 11 says this, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. That's not the text, but it's something that I want to just, this week, I want you to know that we are we need to be overcomers, and we have we have an enemy to overcome, and there's three ways we're going to overcome him. And number one, it's by the blood of the Lamb. And it's by the word of our testimony. And it's, be, and it's loving, not our lives, not holding our lives like this, but being basically willing to die. That I do want to uh, say over and over again. Uh, by the way, thank you for this little book. I, I'm not going to use this as my, as my Bible, but I do plan to spend some time in this book. Okay? It has all your names in. I want to pray for each one of you. I don't know you by, I can't put faces to the name. I'm na- names, but I'm hoping to throughout the week. And I just want to pray for you. Thank you for this, this book. Tonight, I have a question. Actually, I'm going to repeat God's question. Who can tell me what the first question that God ever said to a man Thank you where are you Th- that's the question that I want to ask you tonight I'm undecided how how I'm going to approach the, the week sometimes the typical thing is to preach a message give an altar call uh, allow you to respond that way I'm I'm, I'm not sure how the Lord's going to lead but I don't know if you uh, do. You come with a piece of paper and a pen. I would like you to. I taught school for three years, so I, I enjoy giving homework. You know, you give it the end, of the end of the end of the class, and the buzzer goes, and oh, you know, the homework, the dreaded, <laughs> the dreaded thirty seconds of the class. But I'd like you to be listening every night. And I'm wondering if you could put into one put put one write down one sentence. What did God say to you? I'm asking you tonight. Where art thou? Where are, where are you at? Let's walk it. Let's walk up to the question. Genesis three. There's nine verses to to look at until we come to the question, and. You know the setting. I read it on the plane today. I got excited on the plane. I did. Genesis one and two. I I was just indulging in the in the garden. Did you ever do that? It is so beautiful, it is so powerful. Most of what you really need to know is in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. It's as good as it gets. It's The context is paradise. The context is a good God saying it's good, and then he creates man, and he says it's very good, and he brings a husband and a wife together, and I'm sure they had some wow moments as they they, uh, enjoyed each other. That's the context. Marital bliss. We're going to drop in there in the garden. In verse 1 of Genesis 3, it says, Now the serpent was more subtle than the beast of the field which God made. And he said to the woman, Yea, hath God said, You should, let me stop. Let's just talk about that a little bit. We're going to work our way up to verse 9. And if, you're, if you like outlines, basically i got four points. They should be short. The one, first one is the enemy. And then we're going to look at his strategy. And then we're going to look at the tragedy. And then we're going to look at the rescue, the enemy. I don't know if you caught it in there, but if you picked up a Bible with no knowledge, no tradition, no knowledge, and you wowed Genesis 1 and 2, and now you come to Genesis 3, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. I wonder if you would have picked him out. I probably wouldn't have. But we know. We know the book, right? So we got it. We get it. We have an enemy. Let me just stop just there for a minute and just remind you. I forget it. Do you? Or do you remember every day, I have an enemy. And the enemy is smarter than I am. But he's not more powerful than the one I know. I have an enemy, and you do too. By reading this, it is so hard to identify him. But we know by the rest of the scripture, it's the serpent, the old devil. Genesis, uh, Revelation uh, 12, same past, same chapter that uh, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. That same chapter says, the, old, the the serpent the the old no the old serpent the devil we know by the rest of the book that he's satan he's a murderer he's come to what steal kill destroy don't forget it don't forget that that's the enemy that's your enemy let me remind you you have an enemy i have an enemy he's a murderer he's a dragon He's a roaring lion. He's a prince of the world. He's the god of this age. He's the ruler of this world system. He's a liar. He's the father of lies. He's a deceiver. Whoa. You have an enemy. And your enemy is not a person. Your enemy not a... Your enemy is the devil. Uh, let's remind the devil in case he's listening in. His end is the lake of fire. Did you ever tell him that? You're going to the lake of fire. Revelation 20, verse 10. The devil was cast into the lake of fire with the beast and with the false prophet who went there first. Actually, Satan's not there yet. I used to think he's in hell. I don't think he is. I think uh, he's, 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 he's destined to be there. And he's going to be tormented. At Revelation 20, verse 10. He will be tormented along with the false prophet, who is probably a man, and the beast forever and ever. Tormented forever and ever. Some question that. Tormented forever and ever. Let's remind him of that, okay? That's the devil. That's the enemy. That's his end. His goal is to deceive you and deceive me. Just like we're going to talk about the story. That's his goal. That's the agenda. Sometimes I forget that. Sometimes maybe you forget it too. Satan's, he's, he's got a goal. But God, God is not willing that one soul would perish. Not one. Thank God. He made a way. Let's let's go on. That's the devil, the enemy. Let's talk about the strategy. So if you I, I read part of verse 1, it says, He came and he said, Hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the free of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God had said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, l- lest you die." That was Eve. a serpent said to the woman, "You shall not surely die. God knows in the day you eat thereof that your eyes will be opened, and you'll be as gods knowing good and evil. And when the woman so- let me stop there, that's the, tra- that's the tragedy. Let's talk about the strategy the first point in the strategy is he will disguise himself, okay? He does not come and say, I am the devil. At least I, I've, don't think I've ever encountered him like that. But he'll, he'll disguise himself. And he is able to, to mask his true character. That's scary. In fact, what is really alarming to me is that he can masquerade as an angel of light. That's 2 Corinthians 11, verse 4. He is able to come and make himself look like an angel of light. That's alarming. Does that alarm you? It alarms me. Sometimes I have to remind myself of my enemy and who he is. Well, Right when he said, Hath God said, Eve should have Whoa, 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 whoa. Hath. Whenever there's a questioning of God, just put your antennas higher than than they've ever been before. Whenever there's a questioning, just a questioning of God's word, that is that that's the strategy. He didn't change. Nothing new under the sun. Same 2023 as in the garden. It's the same. Strategy. So, he disguises himself and then he'll question God. Hath God said? And right there, Eve should have recognized that this is another voice. If she would have done that, it would have been the end of the temptation. The question should be, wait, who's talking? Whose voice? Did you ever think that through? Hath God said, bingo, that's another voice. It's not God. And then Eve's mind starts spinning. And like I said, the devil is subtle. He's more subtle than any one or anything. He's smarter than me and he's smarter than you. He got, I believe here's what Eve heard. When I read the phrase hath god said I, I i this is what i hear you mean that you can't eat of the tree if god loves you he'd be more generous it i think god's holding out on you G- give me one logical reason i mean really well, can, just can you can you explain why the, there are times where hath God said it. Question, strategy. Don't forget the the point, strategy. Disguising and then questioning. I'm alarmed. I hope you are too. And then, he blatantly denies God's word. Actually, let me just inject this. I... I see inconsistency. And maybe this isn't a big deal, but I think it's bigger than, I, bigger than, than I've, I've thought before. But do you know that God told Eve, God said, you may freely eat of the f- fruit. That's what God said. You can check that out. Sometimes Spend some time and cross-reference what God said and how Eve quoted God. Well, Eve comes back to the serpent in verse 2 and says, and I'm gonna, here's how I hear it. We may eat of the fruit. God said, You may freely eat. see, generous. God is a generous God. And this and the devil was trying to make God look like he's limiting. And he's not a generous God. And then Eve, in quoting God, said to the devil that we shouldn't touch it lest we die. God never said, well, maybe it's a no-brainer, but God never said that, don't touch it. I am convinced that Satan was putting an image into Eve's mind of maybe God's not a generous, loving God. And then Eve responded, I would, I would suggest that Eve played right into his hand. And then, there's one more, and maybe this is the most significant one. When in the end of verse 3, Eve again, quoting God, said, Lest you die. That's not quite how God said it. God said, You shall surely die. That's how God said it. Eve's responding and quoting God and saying, "Lest it, to, Maybe it's not a big deal, but to me, God said an absolute... Eve comes back with a possibility. The point, the strategy, and we're under the point of questioning God. And then, when you start, when you give enough of room to Satan in questioning God, God, uh, Satan is able to turn it around and directly deny God's word. It almost scares me. Look at verse. Look at verse four the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. Actually, Satan was willing to quote God verbatim, but in the contrast. Satan was saying, Satan actually used, you, sh- I mean, God said, you shall surely die. And Satan said it like that, but, but direct in opposition. You shall not sh- surely surely die. How? How did that happen in three verses? How? How did we get to the questioning to the directly going against Scripture? Deception is conceiving in this passage. Brothers, sisters, my dear friends, I've seen this lived out. Maybe... You know, it'd be, I'd be curious, to, uh, uh, if I were doing homework in a classroom, I'd say, tell me, tell me how long you think this Genesis 1, uh, chapter 3, 1, 2, and 3, how long was the discourse? Was it a five-minute discourse? Most times, as I observe, this is often a one-year, five-year, sometimes a ten-year plan. I'm not suggesting that that's what it was in the garden. I don't know. But our enemy, the strategy, it's the same. Have you ever observed that? Have you ever observed a questioning and then a journey? I've, I've seen somebody said, I will, and you know obey God's word, and a 10-year blatantly denying God's word. That's scary. That's the enemy. That's our enemy that we're talking about tonight. He disguised himself. He questioned. He denied. And then he actually substitutes his own lie. And this is all about more than I can handle. Verse 5, God knows that in the day you eat thereof, your eyes will be open, and you shall be as God's knowing good and evil. Oh my That's the root of humanism right there, being as God. And we know how Satan, how did Satan become Satan? You know know how Satan became Satan? Isaiah tells us. Isaiah tells us how Satan became Satan. Satan was a created angel. I personally believe he was a choir director of heaven. He knows music in and out. And one day he, he said, I will be like the Most High. He elevated himself up and that's exactly what he's offering to Eve, to Adam. I mean, to Eve, right here in the garden. So he substitutes his, his own lie, and we're going to move on to the tragedy. But I want you to see the the steps in the strategy. I want you to see the disguise. I want you to see the question. I want you to see the blatant denial, and I want you to see the substitute. And like I said, it's often a a, a process. That maybe it's a two year plan, a five year plan, a ten year plan. Satan would love to do it in a ten minute. But he, he, he's, he's, he's smarter than that. And he's, he's totally okay with the 10-year plan. Strategy. Now, oh my. It's so hard to do, but let's do it. Verse 6. Woman, The woman saw the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took the fruit... Thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them were both open, and they knew they were naked, they sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves aprons, and, well, let's stop there, everything within me wants to just call the troops, right? Call the troops. Grab her arm. Don't let her do it. Don't let her do it, right? I mean, no, I cannot comprehend how this affected history. This is the fall. So much of what we need to know is in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Not everything. We need the, I mean, the whole book is a plan of redemption to take us back to Genesis 1 1, 1 and 2, but I don't know, everything within me wants to just reach out and take her. I I just imagine all of heaven, all the angelic beings were just breathless as they watched the scene. And she took it and she did exactly, exactly what she was told not to do. Big, big stuff. And then by the way, when someone does that, they're very willing to get everybody else to do it too. Not too many other people here in the, in, involved, but everybody that was possible, and gave to Adam also. I don't know, that's another subject. Where was he and why wasn't he standing up? Maybe he was just swinging in his hammock in paradise. And, but he, he wasn't, he was with her. He wasn't the other side of the garden. And by the way, he was not deceived. You're aware of that. Timothy tells us that Adam was not deceived, he did it willfully. He knew. He knew what was going on. That's another subject, the roles of men and women. Adam was not deceived, uh, Timothy tells us. So much is in this this text. Well, Satan successfully gnawed at a clear line. And we now have the fruit of disobedience. And what do they have? You know what? You've done it. And so have I. To different to different degrees. I don't care if it's an unkind word. After it's done, you feel terrible, right? Nobody will ever sin and feel good about it. Not happening. Maybe pleasure of sin for a season. Maybe when it's all done, you lay your head in the pillow at night. I here's the three. Fruits of disobedience you see them right in the text guilt shame and fear let me repeat guilt shame fear thanks Satan nice promise you gave me you'll be as God yeah nothing changed nothing Guilt, shame, fear happens every time. They were ashamed. They were hiding. You know, guilt, I I personally believe that Satan uses guilt and God uses guilt. Guilt's a good thing. But guilt can be a bad thing. I really believe God uses guilt, a guilty conscience, to convict, and you know it's not right, and he'll draw you. But oh my, Satan wants to take that guilt and and press you into a life of shame and fear. Happens every time. Sin produces guilt, shame, and fear and I, it is 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 it not ironic they're in paradise and they're hiding <laughs> they're dodging god's voice they're they're running in paradise they're they're trying to hide that's what that's what sin does we we're guilty we're ashamed and we hide and it is amazing where some of us try to hide, and go into a, into a into isolation, or we're just not open. That's the way it works. I see it right here in the garden. It's so foundational, so easy to understand. God in His love just showed us the picture, illustrated life, illustrated Genesis one. Two and three. Well, that was the first man sin, and sin is a result of listening to Satan. We've all dabbled in other listening to other voices. You know, I don't know if you ever spotted somebody with a rebellious spirit. You know, there's rebellion, and then there's a rebellious spirit. They're just so rebellious. That do, rebellion does not come in with the wind. A little gust of wind blew some rebellion into him. No, that all happens through a pattern and a process. Right, what we're talking about. That's how rebellion and rebellious spirits. It comes from the stra- listening to the strategy and experiencing the tragedy. <clears throat> the Bible talks about strongholds. And I like to picture a a literal stronghold. And Satan, the Bible talks about uh, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, okay? So this cycle, this cycle of probably mostly in the mind produces a pattern, a rut, uh, a way of thinking. It's called a stronghold. And, and that is all a result of what we just talked about—the strategy and the tragedy. Well, I want to—I want to uh, <clears throat> come to the rescue. The last point, but let me just say this: this this is this is kind of personal for all of us because we've 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 been there. You, you you've made mistakes, right? Some some have made serious mistakes. Some of us, oh, to wind the clock back 10 minutes. You know what I mean? Or, or that, little, that chapter of life, oh, I wish it wouldn't be. But you know what? The truth of the matter is, you will never, ever, ever erase a chapter of life. What you did, you did. What you said, you said. Now, Satan knows that too, and he, he, he uses that the guilt, the shame, the no He's a liar! He's a liar. I've did and said things that I am so sorry about. But I can I can make the decision. Will I allow that chapter to define who I am? I say no, I won't do it and you can too. If, I'm not going to say if you have a chapter you do. You have a you have you have things in your life that you remember and Satan wants to throw them at you. You can't change it. The blood of Jesus can cleanse and forgive. And you are able to say, that is not who I am. I've talked to so many a man or so many more men than women. And I I say, prove to me that that's not who you are. That's not who you are. And sometimes they'll say, that's not who I am. And I praise God for those words. That's not who I am. So I'm saying all that to say, don't let your past define you. Well, let's move on to the rescue. I love it. I love it. Join me in verse 8. They heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves. Really? Hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden and the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him Where are you? And he said I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself out of his own mouth he admits the guilt the shame the hiding and then God said, "Who told you you were naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree where I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat?" I'm going to stop there. Then, then we go on to the blame game, brothers, sisters. This scene that I just read is so foundational. So foundational. Somebody told me this. Somebody said, "No, no one should ever call themselves a minister of the gospel." This was hard on me. Nobody should ever call themselves a minister of the gospel if they read this verse like this. God came to Adam and said, where are you? I don't know. I I think he's on to something. God in a broken heart, kind of like the prodigal son's father, so when I read that ever since I heard that Where, where are you gentle loving wooing tones where are that's God where are you they ring from the garden so loud so clear and they come in gentle tones I don't know if you caught it but there's three questions and only three but they're so foundational. I'm trying to convince myself I have got myself into very complex situations where there's like tentacles going out., oh, it's just oh, You don't know what? You have no idea what I'm talking about, right? People in Indiana are so different. Than, no Somebody said this: You can simplify every complex situation by these three questions. Where, where are you? Secondly, who, who told you? That's big. That is really big. That's a whole message in itself. Who, who are you listening to? Is basically what God said. Who, who, who are you listening to? Oh, that brings up the subject of all the voices. Nobody comes up with strange doctrines without listening to other voices. You want safety and doctrine? Safety? Who are you listening to? And the third question is almost the most simplistic one. It's kind of like a child, a parent going, asking a child, Johnny, did you take a cookie out of the jar just like I told you not to? In other words, God said, did did you do right what I told you not to do? I, I mean, it's so basic, right? So foundational, so simple. Where are you at? Who are you listening to? Did did you do what I told you not to do? Here's what I want you to hear. All God wanted and all God needed was honesty. I wonder what it would have been like if Adam would have said, just... You know, if, if verses 12, 13, 14, 15 could have been a little different. You know, so foundational, right? So human. I wonder what would happen if this is who I am. This is where I'm at. This, I'm not going to hide. And yes, I listen to Name it. Name where you're at. Name who you're listening to. And name what you did. But unfortunately, the blame game started. My brother, my sister, my friend, honesty is at the foundation of a life of salvation. No one is saved without honesty. No one. And no one is... is a, the upward way towards victory without honesty i i don't i doubt if i'll have a message on parent or of the home maybe doubt it but let me say this i i tell and i made many mistakes as a father many 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 i hang my head when i parallel myself to the loving heavenly father or some godly fathers but there's one thing that is very important to me and every one of my children know it, you tell me the truth, the consequences are minimal. You don't tell me the truth, that that is the most severe consequence you'll ever, ever face in life, ever. Parents, if you can teach your children that principle right there, it is so so important and so foundational. I actually tell my, parents, my children this. And I've told other people this too. I said, <clears throat> if you, okay, here's the situation. I'm not God. I didn't see it. I, I didn't see it. But, but God did. If you tell me the truth, I can help you. Oh, so many people and God can help you. But if you don't tell the truth, here's what I say. I can't help you. Nobody, the teacher can't help you. The other person can't help you. The pastor can't help you. And then I say this, and even God cannot even help you. I stand to be corrected. That's my belief. My belief is God cannot work on the foundation of dishonesty. God can only work on the foundation of honesty. So, so many lessons are springing from the garden. Where are you? That's the question I want to leave with you tonight. If I could sketch out uh, somehow put in, in in a diagram your life, okay? And if I could somehow illustrate God's perfect will for your life, okay? And I, I wonder, I wonder where, where you're at and I wonder where I'm at. Am I... Am I living out God's will? God, God didn't just, just randomly stick people in, in, on earth, in earth and God, I wonder what would happen if we all would be in the center of God's will. And that would be so, we'd be so diligent. So that's maybe another subject, but not really. The question is, where are you at? Where are you? Can you confidently lay your head head in the pillow tonight and say i just know that i am living in the center of god's will and that's the way you uh that, that's the way you can just enjoy the abundant life and sit in heavenly places yay right here and right now where where are you that's the question tonight where are you you know, there's, there's little captions. Uh, <clears throat> I just kind of quickly looked through the book, and I'm not going to start naming people, okay? But I wish there would be a little caption. Uh, you know, perfect, upright man, eschews, uh, eschews evil. Uh, <clears throat> a man after God's own heart. Uh, Sitting at the feet of Jesus. <laughs> you know, we have those snippets through the scripture. Uh, you, you, na- you name them. Now, I know better. We would never do that. We're not God. But there is something about reputation. And some people really focus on reputation. When people focus on reputation, they get things messed up. You focus on character, your reputation will follow. Some people are so worried about reputation, and I probably won't talk about social media at all. I kind of use social media a little bit, but social media is a big, uh, it's it's reputation. You can try to formulate a reputation. I wonder what would happen if every one of us would, God would put a little caption under our name. Well, maybe he kind of does. We're back to the question, where are you? Who, Who are you? are are you like Adam and Eve hiding in paradise? I hope not. <laughs> I hope you're not living with shame, guilt or fear or hiding or is your life just a open living epistle seen and read of all men? hope you're not like Nine, uh, job uh, i 'm sorry uh, Jonah fleeing you know running on his way to uh Joppa, a Tarshish, fleeing from the presence of God. I praise God that tonight I can have total confidence in a still small voice that will speak to every person here tonight. And the question, one more time, where are you? Now, this might be a little awkward, but I'm going to do it. I've often have a song, a song of invitation. I'm going to do something I've ever did it before. We're going to be totally quiet. And if you have a pen and a paper, this is going to be the longest minute of your life now. For about a minute, we should be totally quiet. Totally. What I would like you to do See, if you have a pen and a paper, just write. What did God say to you? Can we do that? Quiet moment begins. I hate to break the silence, but I said a minute, and I did about a uh, did a long minute. Is that okay? We don't. At least I don't do that enough. Quiet. So maybe throughout the week, I'll give a little window for opportunity for you to share what God's saying to you. Maybe that's more powerful than anything that can happen in a room in a, in a, in a prayer. Something happens. Remember, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and what? The word of their testimony. Something powerful happens when we say speak what God's saying and what God's doing and I know sometimes it's very hard to articulate and maybe even write down what God said but I'm I'm guessing that some of you wrote some things down that'll be helpful in your spiritual journey and maybe you can even share it with somebody husbands, wives friend, brother, sister good things happen when we say and we're just honest what God's doing in our life God bless you the question one more time where are you that's the question God bless you you've been a very easy audience to share with thank you for that thank you for your attendance thank you for being attentive and I just invite you to continue to pray Um, let's all stand together. Maybe we can have a, I'll have a prayer and maybe the chorister can lead us in a verse of a song after the prayer and then you can consider yourself dismissed. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the, the glimpse into the garden. Open our understanding. Help us to apply it to life. Show us where we're at. Show us who we're listening to. Show us what we've done. Oh, God, thank you for your gentle, loving tones, your arms that are wide open to every person here calling us to the upward way, deeper relationship. Revive us. Revive our hearts. Bless us. Keep us safe. Keep us in your will. Give us safety as we go to our respective homes. Bring us back tomorrow and bless us. In Jesus' name, amen.